This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington, and it's in both parties. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. Now, of course, this puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. Be sure to visit AFR.net or wherever you get your podcast to hear past episodes. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Welcome to Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio. Radio Network. My name is Walker Wildman, and it is good to be with you on the show today. We're going to discuss various topics today, uh, but the goal of the show here each week is to expose the lies, the deception in Washington, coming out of Washington, D.C., and much of the news media and the politicians, and to really break down the truth about what's going on in our nation's capital, what's going on in our country what's going on with Congress, with the executive branch, the judicial branch, so on and so forth. And so that's what we're going to do here on the show. My name is Walker Wildman, once again, and this is Exposing Washington. Check out our website, AFR.net. The website is AFR.net. Once you get to the website, not only can you listen live, but you can also catch past shows. They call them podcasts. You can catch past shows on our website, AFR.net, in the form of podcast, and listen listen uh, back on, on shows over the last few weeks at your convenience. You can do the same thing on our app, the American Family Radio app, on your smartphone or tablet device. Just download the AFR app. You can listen live on the app, or you can listen to podcast past shows on the AFR app. So various ways to connect to American Family Radio all at your own convenience and leisure. Today, we're going to spend at least half of the show talking about the coronavirus and really dispelling some of the myths, some of the lies, the deception going on, even coming out of Washington, D.C., even coming out of our own government. You have fear mongers who all they do, like Dr. Fauci, I mean, all he does, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Anthony Fauci from the NIH, I mean, the vast majority of what he does is just spread fear. He goes on CBS, goes on all these talk shows, goes on these nightly shows and these Sunday shows, and he just just pushes this fear propaganda. And I'm going to play a clip of that. But, you know, this is is a problem. Our government, yes, they're supposed to tell us the truth, which the truth right now is actually pretty optimistic. Yeah, they're supposed to tell us the truth. They're supposed to tell us what's going on. Be honest with us. But our government is also supposed to be optimistic. They're supposed to provide hope that we're going to get out of our current situation. But you put Dr. Fauci in front of Congress, you put him on news shows, and it's just doom and gloom. And I'm going to play a clip of Dr. Fauci. He was asked a question about the, the falling death rate, the falling number of fatalities each day for the past month or two, every day, 
less people are dying from coronavirus. This is a good thing. We went from having we went from having a couple thousand a day, over a thousand a day deaths, to now we're having about one to two hundred, maybe a little bit more, depending on what day it is. But but roughly between one and two hundred deaths a day, and it's continually dropping across the country. I'm gonna play clip two. This is Dr. Anthony Fauci calling the drop in fatalities a quote false narrative clip two. It's a false narrative to take comfort in in a lower rate of death. There's so many other things that are very dangerous and bad about this virus. Don't get yourself into false complacency. Well, there you have it. That's Dr. Anthony Fauci calling it, well, this is a false narrative to to get hopeful, to, to be hopeful that the death rate is falling. Let's play that one more time. It's just, just about 15 seconds. Clip two, let's listen. It's a false narrative to take comfort in, in a lower rate of death. There's so many other things that are very dangerous and bad about this virus. Don't get yourself into false complacency. All right, so that's that's it for me. If I'm if I'm President Trump, if I'm Vice President Pence, that's it for Dr. Fauci. He's done talking. Dr. Fauci, thank you for your service. Go back to the NIH. Because what he's doing here is helping no one. The falling fatality rate is great news. To go to basically have the fatality rate drop 90% in a matter of a few months is excellent news. What does that mean? It means, it means what I said last week. It means the, the, uh, the potency, if you, if you want to call it that, or the strength. It means the strength of the virus is weakening. It's not as lethal as it once was. That's not coming from me. That's coming from the Pennsylvania doctor that I read about last week, where he said, in his, from his perspective, at one hospital system in Pennsylvania, he's seeing, number one, he's seeing less patients in the hospital, but number two, he's seeing patients with milder symptoms, which falls right in line with the fact that the fatality rate is dropping drastically across the country. But their doom and gloom Fauci says, oh, that's just a false narrative. No need to take hope in that. Everybody should just stay home and stay depressed because America is never going to return to normal. That's what Dr. Fauci wants you to believe. But that is absolutely not true. And the White House, President Trump, needs to stop letting Dr. Fauci go on shows spreading the doom and gloom narrative. Because America's tired of it. We need some good news. We need some hope. And it's out there to report if the media and Dr. Fauci would report it. Speaking of good news, not only did we, we report last week about the Pennsylvania hospital system executive saying that he's seeing patients with milder symptoms. Not as many people going on ventilators, so on and so forth. 
the same, uh, a similar story from the Henry Ford Health System. They about, they're about a six, $6.5 billion health system. And their chief academic officer released uh, the news this week that they've had excellent, excellent success with hydroxychloroquine, or in short, HCQ. The drug that has been touted by not just President Trump, but doctors all across the country have said, hey, I'm a doctor. I've treated 100, 200, 500 COVID patients, and I've had great success with hydroxychloroquine. And then the media goes, oh, that, that drug doesn't work. That drug's not proven. It's not FDA approved. It's a back alley drug. Nobody knows about it. You should not use hydroxychloroquine. But the doctors who are actually using it are saying it's working. It's working. To that point, let's play clip three. This is a Henry Ford Health System chief officer and neurosurgeon, Dr. Stephen Kalkanis, K-A-L-K-A-I-N-I-S, talking about how hydroxychloroquine has proven very helpful in treating COVID. We stand behind our recent Henry Ford study where we looked at 2,500 patients and we found that the use of hydroxychloroquine alone cut the death rate in half. Now, we realize this study differs from others that have been published, but we gave our treatment earlier and the dose was different and we screened heavily for patients who had pre-existing conditions, including cardiac disease. The answer may be that in finding a certain subset of patients who benefit from this drug, we should make it available, but more studies need to be done, including looking at other drugs that have proven favorable, like steroids, remdesivir, and many others. The answer may be a combination therapy, but we need to have science control this process, not the politics. We need to make these drugs available so that they can be tested in a rigorous scientific platform as quickly as possible to give patients hope and to get to a solution as fast as we possibly can. Well, there you have it. And to, to further this discussion, by the way, that was a Henry Ford Health System executive. They run about a $6.5 billion health care system. And that was them talking. That was the executive talking about the success that they've had with hydroxychloroquine. They've treated roughly 2,500 patients. And they've had great success treating them with hydroxychloroquine. And by the way, this healthcare system is in Michigan. The Henry Ford Health System in Michigan. And from their research, from their study, and I'll post this on my podcast page at AFR.net under the show Exposing Washington, They treated 2,541 patients between March 10th and May 2nd across six hospitals in their system. And it found that they cut the death rate in half by using hydroxychloroquine. Half the people died who used hydroxychloroquine as opposed to those who didn't. 13% of those treated with HCQ alone died compared to 26% 
not treated with HCQ. Why is this not being spoken about by our politicians, by our governors, and by our doctors across the country? Some are talking about it, like this, this hospital system. But in large part, the media and Dr. Fauci, for goodness sake, they've ignored the reality that doctors who've been doing this a long time are saying that hydroxychloroquine works. And I think the reason we're not hearing this more is because of sick politics. And what do I mean by that? What I mean is the media, the Democrats, people like Dr. Fauci, and others, I think some people like Dr. Fauci, i got to be careful here, they're just wired to see things from a negative lens, from a negative perspective. So I don't know about Dr. Fauci. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he doesn't deserve it. But let's, let's just talk more broadly here. Let's talk about the Democrats, the media, and the sick people who are blaming President Trump and, and others for this virus. They're not going to report and talk about how HCQ is working because that would mean that there's some good news. And that would mean that there's a way out of this situation. And that would mean that we can't blame President Trump anymore. So instead, let's ignore what's working and let's talk about everything that's not working. Do you know how sick and twisted you have to be to see thousands of people dying, which has happened, and there's drugs out there on the market that are affordable that are proven to work to help people with this virus, and we're not talking about it. This is the most bizarre, frustrating situation. And hydroxychloroquine is being used by many people, many doctors across the country, and it's working. And kudos to the doctors who are talking about it. But our government, starting with the White House, they deserve, they, they owe the American people this truth. And President Trump has been talking about it, and I appreciate that. President Trump, to his credit, has been talking about how hydroxychloroquine is working. He's been on this for three months. He was actually one of the first ones to talk about this. So good for him. But the rest of the White House, including Dr. Fauci, should recognize that HCQ is working across the board. And it's it's now data-driven, data-proven. This is not some... As Dr. Fauci said, some, you know, anecdotal evidence, HCQ is working. 
and why we're why why the government is not pushing for this very affordable drug to be to be given out more broadly why they're not talking about that i have no idea but dr fauci says well you know the, the lowering death rate well we just don't need to talk about that because oh that's just a false narrative that's just a false narrative absolutely absolutely frustrating and disgusting by the way, over since uh, April, the fatalities have dropped 86% by the end of June. The daily and weekly fatalities have dropped 86% across the board since April. That is good news. That is good news, and you're going to hear it here. Transitioning a little bit to talk about other topics, the there's been some talk about whether or not schools are going to reopen in the fall. The fall meaning next month in August. And there's been various opinions about whether schools are, should reopen and what it should look like. And the reality is that if you if you actually talk to I don't know, the American Academy of Pediatrics and others, they're all saying that the schools should reopen. And I agree 100%. Because the likelihood of a child falling ill with this, to begin with, is very slim. But then for them to get fatally ill is even more slim. In large part, children are not struggling with this virus. I'm speaking broadly here. Let's play clip four. This is the Education Secretary, Betsy DeVos, talking before Congress, uh, or talking at a, at a summit at the White House about how kids should be back in school in August. Clip four, let's listen. Like the president said today, there is no excuse for schools not to reopen again and for kids to be able to learn again full time. The data doesn't suggest anything different. The medical experts aren't suggesting anything different. And as you pointed out in your opening uh, statement, uh, this is more an issue of adults who are more interested in their own issues than they are about serving their students. It's very clear that kids have got to go back to school. Well, there you have it. That's the education secretary, Betsy DeVos, saying kids must go back to school. The president is even talking about possibly withholding funding for schools that don't reopen. And to that, I say good. And here's why. You and I and every other citizen across the country, for the most part, we are paying taxes that operate Our police departments, our fire departments, they operate, they pay local city officials, local city employees, county employees, county officials. And our tax dollars also are used to run our education systems. And to that, I'm fine with, so long as the education system is operating. But what I propose is if schools want to shut down, 
If schools want to close because of the COVID panic, then give me my tax dollars back. Because I'm not putting tax dollars into the system not to be used properly or not to be used at all or to pay people who aren't working like Congress. This two-sided planet that our government lives in, they're going to have to come down to planet Earth. They're going to have to come on the other side back to reality and understand that if you don't work, if you don't operate, if you don't labor, then you don't get paid. And so if the school systems want to shut down because one kid out of a thousand has coronavirus and you want to shut down the school, that's fine. No teacher gets paid. No lunch lady gets paid. No principal gets paid. And we're going to refund the, Amer- the taxpayers their money for every day that we close. And of course, you know, they won't do that. They're going to keep our tax dollars. But all I've got to say is you better stay open. And from what I'm reading from people who know what they're talking about, these schools need to open full-fledged. There should be none of this, well, if one kid in one class gets coronavirus, then we shut down the whole school. No, you don't shut down the whole school. Because if you operate under that premise, under that plan, then the school's going to be shut down all the time because somebody amongst the school is going to have coronavirus. They're going to have coronavirus, just like they're going to have the flu, they're going to have strep, and whatever viruses are floating around. So Betsy DeVos there, Education Secretary, says no excuse for kids to not be back in school in August, in the fall. Transitioning to a couple other topics, Joe Biden says, well, maybe we shouldn't, we need to change our terminology, Joe Biden says. He says, instead of defund, we just need to, you know, redirect the money from police departments, which in essence is the same thing. Either way, you're taking money from police forces, redirecting redirecting it to other parts of the government, much of which is unnecessary. The most important aspect of our society, one of the most important institutions when it comes to law and order and civility is our police departments. Our law enforcement system, institutions, And the people who make up the police forces, they are critical to maintaining law and order and safety for communities. And this whole crazy idea that we can diminish and weaken police departments and that's going to make our communities safer, that is insanity. That is insanity. And America better wake up because if someone like Joe Biden gets in the White House and they start actually weakening police departments, this is going to have 
fatal consequences to this type, these type policies. And so watch out. Be careful putting Democrats in control of anything because all that's going to happen with Democrats is more chaos, more death, and even possibly the death of the American dream. Transitioning to a few other topics, you know, NASCAR's Bubba Wallace, the one who pushed the the noose hoax, claiming there was someone put up a noose in his garage at a NASCAR race, and it turns out after the FBI looked in it that it was it was false. No one hung a noose in his garage. It was a pull-down rope that someone tied a knot on, basically, so that they could pull down the garage door using the rope. It had been there for at least two years, the rope had, with the knot. So there was this fake narrative, this fake story pushed out to the world about this noose in Bubba Wallace's garage at a NASCAR race turned out to not be true. And despite what some people say, Bubba Wallace, he never really apologized. He put out some statement that I'm paraphrasing here, but basically, well, I would rather be embarrassed than than not report this and, and you know, some racist to get away with it. The closest thing to an apology that he said was that he was embarrassed. But what he fully should have said was something like this. I apologize for reporting this fake story to the media and the rest of the world without doing further study into the origins of this rope. And so to all those NASCAR fans that were falsely accused of being racist bigots. And to all the white people out there that were shamed for no reason, I'm sorry. And I should not have done that. Will you forgive me, please? That is an apology. That is an apology. But that's not what we got from Bubba Wallace. And so President Trump brings it up again this week and talking about how basically Bubba Wallace should be ashamed of himself and he should apologize to the NASCAR fans. And then the media and everyone else goes, well, you know, President Trump's the problem. Even Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, who sometimes I like, depending on what day of the week it is. He says, well, you know, I, 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 I defend Bubba Wallace. Where is Bubba Wallace's apology for the fake story he spread for a week? Once we get an apology, then we can move on. Exposing Washington American Family Radio, check out our website, AFR.net. We'll see you next week.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.